Hey, good morning. Uh, if you can go, go ahead and have a seat. Um, welcome to Sycamore Hill Church, Wilmington. Um, we are a campus of a multi-campus church uh, that meet here together in the city. Um, we're glad that you're able to meet with us this morning. My name is Matt Dixon. Um, for those of you who don't know, I'm just one of the deacons here. Um, Rick, our pastor, is away this weekend, um, and so he had asked uh, if uh, one of us would, would share the uh, theology of the city uh, this morning. So for those of you who have been here the last few weeks, this is the fifth part of our Theology of the City series. Um, over the last um, few weeks, um, we've, we've looked at a definition of the city and, and kind of broken down the different parts of it. Um, and really our goal in the series is to better understand how the city works um, so that we can more effectively reach the city for the kingdom of God. The definition that we've been working with is that a city is a densely populated heterogeneous and culturally relevant geographical area that exerts influence beyond itself. Over the last five weeks, we've explored different elements of this definition. Um, we've said that cities are uh, important to God, that cities, um, in cities, small areas of Christian faithfulness can produce widespread fruitfulness, that race and ethnicity present both challenges and opportunities, but they cannot be ignored, particularly in the urban setting, and that the city is God's invention and design, and a city is the endpoint of salvation for history. So over the last five weeks, we've explored um, some of the other elements here, and this morning we're going to tackle the question, what does it mean that cities are culturally relevant? So cities are places that, where people tend to care uh, maybe a little bit more about art, music, theater, and maybe fine or diverse uh, dining options. Um, you could also say that most major sports teams are in cities. So cities, regardless of the culture, cities tend to be a cultural hub. Look at Delaware. Um, Wilmington is kind of known to be a 9-to-5 city where a lot of people come in during the day and exit during the night. Um, but even so, most, if not all, of the um, cultural spaces in the, in the state are in Wilmington. Uh, the Grand Opera Delaware, Delaware Theater Company, um, the Queen Theater and the Children's Playhouse, they're all right here in Wilmington. Uh, if you look at the state of Pennsylvania, uh, the cities of Philadelphia and Pittsburgh um, have more art museums than the entire rest of the state combined. Um, that's a big state, not like us. Um, another example, um, I used to travel down south for work a lot. Um, and uh, any of you who might travel for work would know that you can tie the quality of a trip to the quality of the restaurant options available to you. Um, and so sometimes I'd get to go to places like Chattanooga, Tennessee, where there were um, many dining options. There was, you know, southern cooking. There was, like, modern southern cooking. There was home-style southern cooking. Um, there was, you know, Mediterranean there was, you know, Asian fusion. There were vegan coffee shops. There were a lot of different things available to us. However, sometimes I had to go to Browns Ferry, Alabama, where my dining options consisted of Waffle House, Applebee's, and a gas station known for pork chops on Wednesdays, which are, were actually pretty good. So why are cities like this? Why, why are these cultural elements more prevalent in the city? Well, the answer to that is really in the rest of our definition of a city. Cities are densely populated, so you have the critical mass needed to support, um, to support um, the arts and these different cultural, cultural elements. Um, and in turn, this, the arts attract more people. Uh, there was actually a study done in 2015 um, that showed that cities that have three different types of art um, 
uh, avenues available like opera, uh, symphony, and movie a playhouse attracted knowledgeable workers at twice the rate of cities that only had one. Um, so the arts attract more workers, which then attract more art, um, and then this masses continues to perpetuate itself, um, and so you, you have that dense population. Second, um, we said that cities are heter heterogeneous. Um, and really what that means is when, when you see diversity and you see things that are different in your everyday life, um, new things or different things aren't, aren't strange. It's not really an adjustment. You're used to it, um, and it's something that's exciting and something that you long to experience. Sorry. <laughs> and then finally, since cities um, extend influence beyond their own borders, uh, the city serves as a gathering place for those uh, who live outside the city so they can also enjoy the arts. Right? So if, if you think like you're reading a book um, or watching a movie, especially before like TV and the Internet when culture could come to us, when people are going out for a night on the town, they're going into the city. They're going into the city for dinner, into the city to see a play. Um, that's because the city is the cultural hub. Not only are cities places of culture, um, but culture is constantly changing, right? So all around us, culture is changing. Ten years ago, culture is different than it is today. Um, and so cities are culturally relevant because it's the city that's actually driving the culture. So because the city is, is kind of inventing the culture, that's where it's starting, um, by definition, the cities would be culturally relevant. You kind of see that trends develop in cities and then bleed out from there, right? Fashion Week is in New York, not Duluth. So what does it mean, um, what does this mean for the relationship between God and the city? So first, it means that people are able to worship God, even corporately, in different ways based on the talents and gifts that he's given them. A painter can create and worship with a brush. Uh, a writer can worship through poetry or story. Uh, an inventor or entrepreneur can worship through um, new thoughts or new ideas, bringing technology um, to others. We are all created in God's image, um, and he's the, he's the primary creator. Our God is a creative God. Um, the creative energy that we see in the city is just a microcosm of what we're going to see in, in, in experience in eternity. However, the culture of the city can also be a breeding ground for sin. We no longer create to glorify our creator, but to glorify ourselves. Um, if you look at Genesis 11 in the, in the story of the Tower of Babel, God has given the people a common culture and a common language and the resource, resources and knowledge to build a tower. Um, but instead of building a great tower or temple to the Lord, um, they say in verse 4, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens, so that we will make a name for ourselves. Additionally, uh, when you have the freedom to try new things, um, the boundaries kind of just keep getting pushed further and further. Um, there's this tolerance of diversity in a city that gets twisted or perverted into this anything-goes relative morality. Um, since we know that it's not bad to be different, we find ourselves saying that everything that is different must be okay. So what does this mean for us being a church in the city? So I'd say this, which will be our fifth point. The cultural creativity of the urban setting requires equal cultural creativity from the church. If the church is unable to recognize the power and influence of culture in the city, the church will ultimately be unsuccessful in reaching the city. 
However, we, we, got, we need to be careful when we do this. Um, we see a lot of culturally relevant churches with really weak theology. Um, they sidestep the importance of the gospel or the truth of scripture um, in order to be more culturally relevant to people they're trying to fill the seats with. On the flip side, we see a lot of churches with a really strong theology, but they're culturally irrelevant. Um, and they have the gospel and scripture so tightly wound to this Christian culture that we've developed um, that the, the teaching of the culture and the teaching of the gospel are so intermingled that they can't separate the two. And anyone outside of that Christian culture struggles to really connect with the church. So because of this, there's a lot of baggage saying that church should be culturally, culturally relevant. So I'm not going to stand here today and tell you that we need to be culturally relevant. Instead, I'll say that we need to be contextually real. We need to be aware of the context of the city and the importance of culture here. We need to approach it in an authentic way without denying the truth of Scripture or the saving power of Christ. We need to understand the culture of the city so, so that we can use it for the benefit of the kingdom. Um, but we also need to understand our own culture. We need to be able to extract the truth of Scripture and the gospel from the culture of Christianity so that we can apply the gospel to the culture of the city. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 9, uh, which we have up here on the screen, Paul says, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews I became like a Jew, to win the Jews. To those under the law I became like one under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having, having the law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I did this all for the sake of the gospel, so that I may share in its blessing. For the sake of the gospel, Paul is willing to adapt to the culture of those he's trying to reach. He understands how the gospel applies to the Jewish culture. Um, and how it can coexist with their culture and their customs and their heritage. He understands that life looks different for the Gentiles, for those outside of the law. Um, but by, by adapting and understanding and being a part of their cultures and their customs and understanding who they are, he's able to effectively um, use that to share the gospel with them. So that's our fifth point. The culture, cultural creativity of the urban setting requires equal cultural creativity from the church. We need to leave our own culture behind, but hold fast to the truth of Scripture uh, in order to show the people of the city just how much more creative they can be or you can be when you have a relationship with the Creator. In back heads, allow me to pray. Father, this morning, I just pray that you'll give us um, the knowledge that we need to, um, to extract our culture from, from our beliefs and, and from the truth uh, that you have given us. Lord, I just pray that you give us the boldness to experience um, different culture around us. Allow us to learn about the culture of, of this city um, and the different elements of it so that we can effectively reach this city for you. Lord, I also just pray um, as we, as we uh, begin to take our tithes and offerings, Lord, um, that you will use these um, here in this city of Wilmington, Lord, um, just to expand your kingdom and also to the ends of the earth. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.